Welcome to the Anti-Architect Podcast. I am your host, Christian Giordano. As president and owner of the design firm Mancini Duffy, I am driven by a quest for learning and radically changing the industry. With this podcast, I'm hoping to improve the industry that I'm so passionate about by taking a critical look at how architects work through a variety of voices and shared experiences. Hello, Anti-Architect Podcast listeners. I'm excited to have the one and only Robert Israel as my guest here today in studio on the Anti-Architect Podcast. Robert is an executive vice president at L&L Holding Company, a privately held, vertically integrated real estate company founded in 2000 by Robert Labadis and David Levinson. The L&L Holding Company's current portfolio includes some of the most prestigious buildings in the world, such as 425 Park Avenue, 390 Madison Avenue, Terminal Warehouse, and TSX Broadway, which we're going to spend some time on today because Robert leads and directs all aspects of the TSX Broadway project. Robert was the co-founder of Solid Development Group, a non-union concrete masonry and carpentry subcontracting firm with 80 people. If it's big and complicated, Robert is the person for the job. Prior to L&L Holdings, he served as a project director for RFR Holdings, where he led all aspects of a historic conversion of five former warehouse buildings into a 1 million square foot retail and office space known as Dumbo Heights in Brooklyn. From 2000 to 2013, he served in various roles at CBRE, where he oversaw the construction of a 1.5 million square foot campus development in Bangalore, India. Robert, thank you for agreeing to be on on my podcast. I'm excited to see where this uh, conversation takes us. Great. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So um, kind of start out with this, you know, um, you know, my firm is the executive architect for a very large project where you are the client. Uh, it's probably one of the most complicated projects in New York City or maybe ever. I don't know. Um, called TSX Broadway, or as we refer to it in the office, 1568, um, which is on 7th and 47th. Can you give our audience an overview of what's happening there? I mean, kind of all the details, because I think it's it's extraordinary. It really is. Absolutely, Christian. Um, yes, you are correct. It is one of the most complex projects that I've ever been involved in. I don't know about Mancini Duffy, but um, I doubt I'll ever be in a project as complex as this again. <laughs> um, and what the, what TSX, because that's what we call it, we call it TSX, <laughs> um, is about for L&L is obviously we, we, we were involved in this project starting in 2017. Um, we were brought on as the developer uh, in order to execute this project. And it was the vision of sort of Fortress Investment Groups and Mayfield, who is our partner still. Um, and it was an existing site that we that, we, that they uh, accumulated many different parcels, the signage parcel, the um, existing hotel, uh, the double, at that point it was Doubletree. And then we also acquired the ground or the fee underneath the theater. We were able to also um, acquire the ability to, which is a key point in this project, uh, <laughs> to allow for the theater owner, as we were going to condo their parcel, um, to allow us to lift the theater 
because it is a landmark box, <laughs> um, all 1,700 seats of it, um, 30 feet from its current elevation. And what this allowed us to do was, um, once we elevated the theater, it opens up the ability to access that retail space in and around and underneath the theater, which was a huge financial win for us. Mm -hmm. um, so just to, to better describe the whole project for the rest of the folks out there that are not as familiar of it, of it as you are and I are, <laughs> we also, so the building was an existing approximately 500,000 square foot building that we de demolished an existing tower from the floor 46 to 16. And why we only took it down to 16 was because we retained the podium because number one, obviously the theater was in that podium, but number two, we are also completing a retained slab project, which means for the layperson is that uh, in order to maintain our overbuilt condition, which is approximately 84,000 square feet, and an overbuilt condition means that based on today's zoning laws, mm -hmm. we would not be able to build a building as big as that. Our, we would have to build an 84,000 square foot smaller property. But you're allowed to keep the square footage as long as you maintain. Sure, we're, right. we are allowed to maintain that overbuilt square footage if we maintain 25% of the existing slab. So right. approximately 90,000 square feet, which adds huge complexity from, for, because we have to shore it. We have to work around it, through it, in it. Inches we were calculating. Absolutely. <laughs> and the, the site itself was small and very tight to begin with. Yeah. I'm trying to scram every square inch to a 100,000 square feet of retail, 669 hotel rooms, just you know, an amazing feat from for all the parties that were involved the designers the construction manager ownership just just a huge amount of planning and a huge success for us and you mm -hmm. absolutely and so the theater itself it's the palace theater right which is a landmarked but also very famous theater owned by who is the owner of it the Niederlander family Niederlander family right yes they own uh, probably nine other theaters within the <laughs> within the scope of broadway so a very very Historic family, number one, as Broadway goes, and a very sort of, uh, I wouldn't say, I'll say needy, but that's probably a bad word. Um, uh, particular. A, client, a, a very particular and specific client who want what they want. Yeah. Yeah. And so being involved on, obviously, the design side, I can say that the complexity of keeping a theater, and obviously, let alone the complexity of lifting it up 30 feet. But just keeping that theater and then building a tower above, it became all about getting in and out of the building and around that theater. So some of the most complex egress systems that we've ever seen in terms of stairs and how do you get down and around and through and all of these parts and pieces. Um, can you talk a little bit about the construction of it itself, kind of what stage it's in, how, how they're doing the theater, how they're, and then, you know. Sure. So uh, right now we've, we just actually on Monday, I think your firm, and I, I don't know if you were there, but I, the rest of your team was there. We actually uh, had a topping off ceremony. Yep. We poured the 48th floor. So kudos to you and us. Um, that was a great little ceremony we had on Monday with the entire team out there on the, uh, on the street, raised the beam and a flag. So we've topped off. Yep. Um, we're installing curtain wall on the perimeter of the building, enclosing the building. There's interior work going on, and the, ho the hotel team has mobilized. So the interiors of the hotel are, are progressing. Um, as far as the um, podium and the work in the in the in the foundations in the basement, we've completed all of our excavation foundation work. 
we've completed all of our, our what I call lift prep, mm -hmm. which encompasses our ability to that we've installed um, temporary foundations and permanent foundations that allows us to lift the theater. The way we the way we set that up is our uh, urban foundations, who's our lift engineer, designed a system that encompassed 34 lifting posts, which um, basically tie into now also a concrete ring beam structure that which is five feet deep, which basically allowed us to load transfer the existing building off its existing foundation to this lifting foundation, mm -hmm. which encompasses those elements that I just mentioned. And now we've also actually started the lifting process. About three weeks ago, we actually moved the theater approximately three inches, separated the theater from its, you know, its stationary point where it's been for the last hundred years. <laughs> um, that was a historic moment for us. And the team again. Holy crap! It worked. Yeah, it actually we actually <laughs> made it. You know, it, it's very it's it was amazing for us to be in the cellar, standing there, and for all of this to actually work and yeah. to 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 see that the theater we, we actually did this. We yeah. actually moved it, and it, it it didn't fall down around us or or any major issues. Yeah, it was it, it was a, a feat that I that I I think I'll never forget. And and the theater itself is landmark from the interior point of view which means that that's had to be preserved, correct? 100%. Um, you know, we've had PPPW, who's our historic landmark architect. Um, we've worked with the Landmarks Commission hand in hand um, and them preserving, doing all the things we needed to. Now, we, we had a whole process that we had to make the theater safe because mm -hmm. the, the historical preservation process is unique. Obviously, it's all about the plaster and, all, and, and the preservation of this plaster. Um, that is really the historic quality that we want preserved, that Landmarks requires to be preserved, and the theater owner requires to be preserved. Making the theater safe was a huge milestone for us. Multiple layers of consultants, ownership, the theater owners, the design community, the Broadway community, mm -hmm. all took part in this process. We made, we've now made the theater safe and we're allowed to lift it. So now when does that lift actually begin? It actually began this week. Okay. We lifted 11 inches uh, as of Monday. We're going slow. We've done a bunch of investigations. We incurred a certain condition that we weren't uh, happy with. So we had to do some additional shoring the rest of this week. And we're going to continue lifting on Tuesday. Okay. And then how long is the whole process before it's lifted into its sort so of it's final a two, resting position? So it's a two-phase process, amazingly enough. It started out when we originally designed this, I think there were four phases, with so many design iterations <laughs> from our lifting engineer and all of the other coordination we had to do. We ended up with two phases, two phases of 15 feet, essentially. So we're going to raise 15 feet, hopefully by sometime the end of next week, if all goes well. We'll stop then, lock the theater in place, and pour the ground floor slab and structure, which should take about two to three weeks. And then we'll lift for another week to the remaining 30 feet. Okay. So approximately four to six weeks. Yeah. And now the, the people lifting the theater, I mean, how do you find that company and, and what, what else do they do? Because I can't imagine. So, I know that they did move another theater. They yes, moved they the one move, down the street. Forty uh, Second Street. So now right? we know of two theaters. But what else does that company do? Because it doesn't seem like there's a huge market for lifting or moving <laughs> no, historic no. theaters. Uh, <laughs> urban Urban Foundations core business is foundation work, excavation okay. and foundations. Uh, he's not. 
He's done well with the theater lift, but I don't think he's making a living, living on lifting theaters or moving theaters, <laughs> at least that I know about. Not like a house lifter. No, he doesn't go around to different buildings and do that every every other week. Um, but Urban would be the only um, contractor that I would have thought could get this done. Okay. Because n- Number one, just because of the engineering ability of Tony Mazza, who's the president, he really is the antithesis of how to design this lift. When we first got involved with this process, even preceding L&L when PMG and Mayfield and Fortress were involved planning this and getting this approved by Landmarks or trying to get it approved by Landmarks. Tony was the the, the mind behind that, the brains behind that, really being able to confirm with what we wanted to try and do and whether we could do it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's been simply amazing. And I wouldn't trust anybody other than him to lift our theater. What are some of the, just so we make sure we give credit to the other consultants? Because it's not just us that are obviously involved. We also have Perkins Eastman as, an, as the architect for the exterior of the yes. building. We have um, PPBW, as I stated mm-hmm. before, the uh, historic architect. We have Severud, who is our structural engineer of record. Yep. The actual structural structure of the building, permanent structure. We have uh, Langan Associates, which is our SOE engineer. We have AKRF, who's done all of our site work. Um, we have Howard Shapiro Associates, who've done all of our um, structural stability, which is a huge part of this project because we yeah. had to, again, maintain that existing 25% of the, of the slab and in and around allowing us to do not only foundation demolition, but construction, bringing the structure through that existing, uh, f- those existing structures. Yeah. Um, who else? Cosentini is our MEPS engineer. Yep. Um, we've involved uh, Tom Zeman and Associates, who've helped us again with some stability issues. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Who am I missing? This is a question. Uh, NTI has done our uh, AV and, I- and IT right. design for the hotel. We have Wimberly Associates, who's done uh, the interior design for our hotel. Um, I think that's probably about it. Yep. And uh, the, the signage, isn't there the signage consultant as well? Yes, we have. Uh, so that's another huge component yeah, that I haven't even touched upon. <laughs> another just small little thing that we do in, in TSX is we have uh, three or four levels of different LED signage. Um, if you're if you're ever out in in Times Square, I don't know how often you go there, but I try uh, not to. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. Um, and uh, so we have a sister sign that uh, was installed as part of the Edition Hotel that was mm-hmm. constructed approximately three years ago. Um, it's an 18,000 square foot, six floor from floors three through nine. Um, that's an LED that's uh, sort of goes from the mid block of 47th Street and curves around to the southwest corner of our property on the 7th Avenue side. It's approximately 18,000 square foot of LED signage. Yeah. Huge, huge sign. And it, it stretches from floors three through nine. And it also has a stage component, which yeah. we're designing into the property. So we're going to be unique from any other property in Times Square, meaning we actually have a 30 by 30 foot opening within that LED sign that opens and closes and will allow us to create a stage, an outdoor stage space that we can do both indoor broadcasting and outdoor live uh, performances directly out into Times Square. So you'll be able to stand at TKTS or stand on the street and see a performance on our stage. Yeah completely unique to any other property in Times Square. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be amazing. It really is. And so is that where, you know, do you foresee the, you know, the ball drop stuff happening there? Is that like where the, you know, they're going to do the, you know, Dick Clark's Rocking Eve or is is this going to be the new heart of Times Square? 
Well, you know, if you if you've ever been in Times Square for New Year's Eve, you know that they that the Times Square Alliance actually sets one of their major performance stages directly out into Duffy Square, and they build it off of the TKTS steps. Yeah. So yes, we are hoping that our performance stage would become a huge part of the Times Square celebration on New Year's Eve. Yeah. If not, you know, a, a direct link to one of the uh, broadcasting elements to the Times Square celebration in Times Square. We've been in contact and, and coordinate and always speak to our partners of Times Square Alliance. They're fully on board with what we're doing and helping us in every way that they can. Yeah, no, there is, and we could, we could, we could talk for hours about all of the intricacies of this project. I mean, there's closing down subway, uh, you know, entrances, there's moving, you know, in city infrastructure. There's so much that went into this project and the amount of coordination. It, it I really, mean, I mean, the, the amount of complexity here is tantamount. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a feat that I, 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 when I first took on this project, I didn't realize how actually complex this would be. Um, <laughs> I don't think we did either. No, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody did when we first got involved in this project. Um, and it's a, it's a real testament to the efforts of, you know, I mean, if, you know, I'll tell you probably every day there's over a hundred people that touch this project just on, I'm not even talking about trades. I'm talking about construction and design team, which yeah. is amazing. You know, we have a hundred people churning work all the time for, and it's been like this for, you know, three to four years now. Yeah, we have that. Obviously, we have an entire team that lives and has lived in, you know, the field office now for years, even during COVID. Yeah. You know, we always we always joke with it. First of all, if they ever show up at our office, we're like, oh, what are you doing here? You know, you still work here. Yeah. <laughs> we love them. Yeah, they're, they're part of the family now. Yeah, no, for sure. We have, you know, we, we, we invite that. That was part of the visioning that L&L had and that I came up with with, with my with my CEO and my president in order to su succeed in a project like this you have to live together yeah if you don't live together there's just too much going on at once to be able to collaborate well to 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 be good partners and to be good team members things are going so fast that it's just it's worked out really well having everybody live together and it's been you know it's, we've lived together for three years now yeah absolutely so it's, it's a great it's a great team uh feeling down there and then in terms of construction i just make sure you know with structure tone doing the interiors and and paverini mcgovern is correct really the, yeah the paverini mcgovern is the core and shell contractor structure tone is the in doing the hotel and the theater it's all under one contract they're all they're one company yeah, the yeah. sto <laughs> building group so that that was the vision that i had yeah when i sort of agreed to have have them on board and, and be our, our contractor. Yeah. It was important for us to get Eric and, and Pavarini doing the corn shell and the folks from Structure Tone doing the interiors. Yeah, no, it's uh it's it's one of the most extraordinary projects uh ever. It it truly, truly is. So Yeah, it, i you know, I I'm I'm thinking about this now that you know we're we're probably less just over a year from TCO. Yeah. Um and you know, it's going to be an amazing time for everybody to actually stand out there and see. I mean, you can see it now. You can really yeah, see oh no, the building it, it, all taking of a sudden shape. Now, yeah, it's there. You know, it's topped off. Yep. The curtain wall is there. And it's just, it's amazing to stand across the street and look at it. To, yep. if, if you've lived it like I have, what it used to look like. Uh -huh. to, and it, and it, now it's changing every day. So often it changes you know, at the speed of light right now. So my experience initially with that project was when it was proposed to us to come in and do this study, uh, 
Uh, I remember the the you know it was before you guys were involved, and it was we're going to lift this theater, and we actually we wanted to create an amusement park in it. And we and I, I I actually worked on the design. It was a roller coaster that kind of came in and out of it, and it was going to be this crazy thing. And I remember saying to the the staff here like, "This will never happen. This is a project. We're going to do this this study." No one's going to lift a theater. That's ridiculous. You know, the, no one's going to be able to figure out how to save, you know, 25% of this building. We're talking inches. It's impossible. And here we are years and years later yes. fully, <laughs> with this thing actually pretty near complete, which is it, crazy. It's get, it is absolutely getting there and will get there. Yep. So switching gears, um, what annoys you about architects? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Come on, Christian. <laughs> what annoys me about architects? Uh, that's a very good question, Christian. I don't think I don't think anything annoys me about architects. I, I I think, like in any industry and in any group that I deal with on a on a daily basis, there's strengths and there's weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And my job as the owner is to understand those strengths and weaknesses and shore up where there's weakness and make sure that I um, utilize everybody's strengths so that everybody's successful. Yeah. Because if you guys are successful, I'm successful. Mm -hmm. that's, what, that's, that's what the building process is about. It's about a team. Yeah. No one person can build this project. It's absolutely impossible. Yep. And, you know, there are, we, have, we, have, we have five architects on this project, I think. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've never been in a project that has five architects, but I do. I have one now. Um, and again, everybody has their specific part. That's the way we've sort of implemented it. And, you know, they are very focused people. They're very professional people. And they all know what they're doing. I think the, 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 the most difficult part for me is keeping people on, on point and on focus. Mm -hmm. um, that's driving to to finish a deliverable, making sure the deliverables are getting done when we say they're going to get done, making sure all the information gets to the proper people who need to um, have it, use it, and then finish finish their requirement in order with that information. Sure. So I, I wouldn't say any, anything about an architect <laughs> would ever annoy me. Now, an engineer, that might be different. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, so no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of just going back to tell a little bit of our story, right? When, you know, you and I met, uh, and I want to be brutally honest about this, you and I met, I, I didn't know you very well. I had met you along the way and, and throughout the years. Um, but, but we had started the Times Square project, the TSX project, and it wasn't going too well. Um, and we had a former partner here. I remember we had this big breakfast and I remember saying to him, like, I don't think this is going too well. How are we going to fix this? And, you know, it really was, um, it, it took, it took sort of my partner, Bill Mandera and myself, uh, but honestly, mostly Bill, cause Bill is way more technically savvy than I am, um, to kind of sit with you and really kind of figure out what it was that Mancini was lacking. And to your credit, you really helped us build the team that we have now. And we would be in no position to even do a base building project. Honestly, many firms would not be in the position or wouldn't have realized kind of the complexity of this, um, this job up front. Um, but we, I'd say we really didn't know it. We were in way over our heads. <coughs> 
Um, but to your credit, you kind of helped guide us through that. And we kind of built the team together. And really, for me, it's a it was a real lesson in, you know, rather than sort of being defeated by it, we worked together, we figured it all out. And in the end, we have an amazing team that is so dedicated to this project that want to see it succeed. They have lived it like there is no other. And I, I want to thank you for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I appreciate that because <laughs> it, it it was troubling at the beginning. Um, uh, it was difficult. Um, you, you know, I think you had a good leader um, at, at, at the beginning. Um, that leader decided that for whatever reason, they didn't, they didn't want to be a part of the team anymore. Yep. Um, and that was a difficult time for us when we lost that leader who I thought was capable, very capable person. Oh yeah. And I thought, you know, could have been successful. Um, and yeah, we had to re reconstruct for sure. Um, no, but that's, 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 that's a partner, right? There, yeah. That's how I view this partnership is that we approached a, a problem. There were many different solutions that it could have went many different ways. We yep. ended up with going the way we did. Yeah. Reconstructed a, a team, tried to put the right folks in place. And in the end, you know, we're delivering yep. and you're delivering. Absolutely. Yeah. It really is a remarkable kind of turnaround story from, from where it started to where, where now it's, it's, it's ending up, which is really, and it's to your credit for kind of sticking yeah. with us. Yeah. It was a, it was, it was a tough decision, you know, the, it was a tough decision when we made the decision to move forward with uh, Mancini Duffy when we originally were sort of, you know, when we took on this, I don't know if you remember, we did a whole vetting process. When we came on board, we were hired to be the developer. We act, we, we vetted the entire team. Yep. Um, you know, we went through about a four month process of vetting yep. every single consultant that was involved <laughs> in the project. And, you know, we, we came back to the ownership with recommendations. Um, and ultimately we, we recommended went with Mancini, but that was a tough, tough decision because yeah. like you said, there was no real track record from a base building perspective. Correct. Correct. So, we, were, we were known as an interiors firm. Yeah. But yeah. thanks to you, we are now known as both. Yes. Right. And, yes. and frankly, our, our revenue source is more on the base building side than it is on the interior side, which is ironic for a firm that's known for interiors. Well, it, it's a testament to you guys from the perspective, especially, you know, Pre-COVID, obviously, the interiors market was very robust. Mm -hmm. Leasing transactions in New York were very strong. Here comes COVID. And for those firms that were not divested, yeah. um, that were strictly interiors firms, you know them well yeah. in, in our industry here in New York City, they've had a difficult time. Yeah. Whereas the firms that are sort of divested in multiple disciplines um, of types of work, corn shell, interiors, retail, yeah. Um, have had a much, I mean, you've all had a hard time. We've all yeah. have had a hard time with COVID, <laughs> Definitely. but I've had a much better time because you were diverse. Yeah. So going to your role at L and L, um, it's a big role. You have a big responsibility. How do you kind of keep the team on task? How do you, how do you manage all of those people and, and, and keep everybody happy in a sense, because yes, the work is fulfilling. Yes, the project is amazing. But the whole group has a great attitude there. They really do. And obviously that comes from the leadership side. So how, how do you do that? Very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, how do I do that? I view my job as uh, it's more of a, um, I have to manage personalities. That's the toughest part of my job. I've been doing this for 28 years. Uh, you've been doing this for, I think, not that long, but very close to that. Yeah. 
you understand the technical ways to do our to do our project work. That's easy. That comes naturally now since we've been doing it for so long. What doesn't come naturally is managing the personalities, and there's always personalities on a project. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, many of them, <laughs> um, as you know, the the New York City real estate construction business has many flagrant personalities <laughs> that we have to manage day to day. But that's that's the the biggest part of my job is managing personalities on a day to day basis. And you know, I view my job. I would be nowhere without my team. Yeah. And I'm 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 talking about consultant team, design team, but also my internal team. Yeah. You know, they're a great group of folks who work really, really hard, tirelessly, as a matter of fact, um, to support me. Um, and, you know, I trust them wholly. Um, I, I've, I've tried to, to put in place as many smart people underneath me, um, people who are probably smarter than me, because I like to surround, pe- surround myself with smart people. That's the way you're successful. Yeah. And, you know, managing those personalities is the hardest thing I do every day. Yep. Yeah, totally agree. So you mentioned 28 years in the profession so far. Um, how have you seen changes over the years in, in the profession in general? Um, you know, I think things these days are much more difficult to put in place. The, the construction and design world has, has become a much more complex place than it was 28 years ago. A lot of things that back then were done on a handshake. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was not a lot of paperwork. There was not a lot of contracts. Um, and that, that, that um, made things much more simpler. Yeah. Um, that's, that's where I think the, 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 more, the most difficult part of our world these days is the complexity uh, of how work gets put in place. Nothing is easy anymore. I don't know why it is that yeah. way. But it's, I don't know what your experiences are these days from your sort of view from your beginning of your career to where your career is now. Um, but that's my view is that it, things are just complex and difficult to do. It's a really good point. And, and, and speaking of, I literally just had this example. Um, we're doing a, a, a favor for somebody doing a, a storage barn and on a farm, uh, literally a favor, but it needs some civil engineering work. And the complex contract that I got back from the civil engineer, it was so complicated. I mean, it's going to take, you know, thousands of dollars to have it reviewed by our attorney to just simply kind of file some simple survey paperwork. It just, things just have gotten so complicated for no reason. I mean, it's a barn for God's sake. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah, it's that a, kind of thing. It's there too, right? You have to, you're resupporting it or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 not, it's not like you're putting up a new structure. Even. Yeah, for whatever reason, and it bottlenecks everything, and things take much longer than they should. Yet everybody needs things faster than ever before, right? And you you miss out on sort of that the upfront work that kind of sets you up. You know, you're you're not you never get to do that, right? You're always sort of behind in in everything that you're doing. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure why that why that is or or how we actually change that. I mean, if you go anywhere else in the world, you know, uh, compared and compared to the United States, the United States is wholly one of the most litigious <laughs> uh, countries in the world. Um, and I think that's that that's a lot of it, I think. Yep. Um, you know, and it's just, you know, 2022, unfortunately. <laughs> and we did, you know, everything is is needed in a split second because no one has any patience because everybody's on social media and can see everything going on every, at every minute yep. around the globe. And everything looks better when somebody else is doing it. Look at all the fun they're having. Exactly. 
So going back to sort of your background and your story, where, where did you grow up? Where are you from? I grew up in Fairfield County in Connecticut. Okay. Um, my background educationally is history. I was a history major in college. So lo and behold, yes, of course, I'm in construction. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> um, no. So, you know, I went to small school in Southwest Virginia, Roanoke College. Um, For history. And majored in history. Okay. It was a liberal arts college. Okay. Um, ended up graduating. Didn't really have the job market when I graduated. It was early 90s. It was uh, not, not too great. Um, so I ended up actually moving out to Colorado, lived in Telluride, Colorado for, uh, about three years prior to me coming, moving back to New York city. Cool. Um, you know, skied was this, uh, bartender managed a ski shop, bike shop, kind of ski bummed a little bit. And I can't move back to, to New York city and, you know, cause I was looking for a job. I, 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 I kind of was faced with a, a life dilemma <laughs> of either stay here and be toothless and 40 because I didn't have a trust fund like so many friends out there that I knew. Um, so, or come back and try and make a career. Yeah. Um, didn't think I was going to be in the construction business when I first came back. I was actually trying to work with my father. Didn't work out. What did he do? Uh, he uh, sold advertising envelopes. Oh, so really? if you, if, I don't know if you're familiar with like you have a credit card and they would send you an advertisement on the envelope that mm -hmm. you mailed your credit card back in your billing your billing yeah. it had an advertisement on it or actually some of the stuff he used to do was scented for perfume manufacturers oh, cool. for like department stores like macy's nordstrom's he would make those envelopes he'd print them actually fold them and then send them to the clients oh that's interesting yeah so it was an interesting business we tried we i thought <laughs> i wanted to go into it it didn't work out good thing you didn't yes yeah that, that definitely and did not survive <laughs> um actually the the person that we, we met previously here in your office, Jim Smith, uh -huh. who you, you were just interviewing, um, a good friend of his, Tony Carvetti, was a friend of the family, and he was working at Structure Tone, and he introduced me to the, the folks over there, and a week later, I was hired. So Structure Tone was your, your first construction job? Yes. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Yes. Wow. And went for their rotational program. Okay. So that, you know, you spent... Uh, Six months in the field, six months in the plan room, six months in estimating, and then you kind of figured out where you wanted to go based on all that experience. Do they still do that? They do. I believe they do. Uh, see, yes. that would be great. We should start doing that with yeah. architects. That yeah. would be amazing. It, 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 yeah. yeah, it would be good. I guess you could go from studio to studio. I guess that's the way it could work in an yeah. architect's office. You know, in, the, in a contractor's office, obviously, you have the field, you have estimating, you have purchasing, um, you have operations. Um, there's multiple facets of where you could actually go and sit and be a part of. And as a young person, that gives you a good, you know, viewpoint of the business. Yeah. I, I know most of the contractors in New York City do that now. Okay. The JRMs of the world, um, the Turners of the world, they all do it. So which aspect of that did you enjoy the most? I was a numbers guy. Okay. That makes uh, sense. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> estimating was my true calling. Okay. Um, I picked up right on it. You know, I, I was couple of weeks in and I was doing conceptual estimates. I really kind of understood it uh, okay. naturally. Um, meaning, I, you know, I, I just could, it, that's the way my mind worked. Mm -hmm. um, and you now know, with I, the highlighters and all that stuff. Well, back and... then, yes, there was no on-screen takeoff back then, <laughs> right? right? There were no computers. There was a phone, a calculator and a tape measure. <laughs> that was what was on the desk. Yep. And, and, a, and a bid list of contractors who we needed to call. Yep. Um, I think I was, 
in the estimating group for about, I'd say, two to two years before. And then all of a sudden, lo and behold, they actually got me a, a computer, a desktop. <laughs> we used Lotus to do all of our spreadsheets before we uh, yeah. converted to Excel. Yeah. Um, and, you know. And now everything, you know, there's no paper in this industry. Everything's yeah. done electronically. Yeah. Especially all Blue the bid Beam. documents, Blue yeah. Beam. Yeah. Um, obviously BIM, mm -hmm. all, all the 3D work you guys do, we do. Yep. Um, so it, it's amazing to see the progression in, in the industry. And it, and we're still, we're still behind, right? New York <laughs> City, especially New York City. Like, it's you know, true. Uh, getting everybody, getting the structure in BIM, meaning concrete structure, Still doesn't occur. Nope. It's the only trade in throughout the the, the U.S. And the, and the world, to tell you the truth, that they they fought the they will not give you BIM documents. Interesting. Superstructure concrete guys. <laughs> Wonder why that is. Uh, probably just because. Well, they got the stronghold. They're stu they're stubborn. Yeah. More stubborn than anybody. So, in estimating a job um, early on in your career, did you ever? I mean, were you always spot on? How did how did it work? What did you learn from that whole estimating? I'll give you I'll, I'll give you a story. So, uh, there were, you know, you you are assigned projects, right? And when you're a younger estimator, you have senior estimators who watch, uh, help you, and teach you and mentor you. Um, and there's two types of projects, right? You have construction management projects, which is a project that the contractor has, and we bid out the trades to all of the to a certain amount of trades and we give the client a number based on those trade numbers and we're hired as the construction manager. Right. We give them general conditions, costs and fee. There's another type of project, which is a project you win, which is their hard bidding uh, <laughs> efforts, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, so I did both. Obviously, CM projects were much more higher profile, funner to do, larger yeah. projects. But I remember one time I was like, okay, I've been doing a bunch of CM work and I was like, all right, I want a hard bid project. Give me a hard bid project. So the, the person who was in charge of estimate, Brian Heffernan, sent me, you know, put me on this project, this hard bid. I was like, all right, I'm going to try and get this job. I try my hardest to get this job. I'm going to spend a lot of time, do the right thing. Because, you know, there's a lot of people in our in our industry who sort of don't work that hard on, on certain things. They kind of <laughs> coast through things. And that wasn't me. So I dug in, approached all of my subcontractors I had relationships with, got their numbers, reviewed their numbers, reviewed the drawings. Um, you know, and it was like a three-week process to from the time we got the drawings in to the time we bid it to the time we got the job. Well, I got the job. Like, and it was, you know, it just it it the light went on for me from the perspective of that if I set my mind to doing this, I can do it. I'll be successful at it. Nice. And, you know, that kind of you know, I, I went on from there. I worked in purchasing, and then, and then was client interface, you know, client facing with them. Moved on to the owners owners rep project management side of the business, okay. and have stayed on the owner side since then. Where did you go after Structure Tone? I went to a small, or I should say, a medium sized owners rep firm called Advocate Consulting Group. Okay. Um, we ultimately were we were bought by CBRE. Oh. So I went from. 20 people to then at that point when we were CBRE was about 300 project managers. Mm -hmm. And within three months of us joining CBRE, um, CBRE bought Trammell Crow. So we went from 300 to 2000. <laughs> so and it was great though, because it really opened up the world for me. I actually spent time in, I lived in India for a year on a, on a, on a project. We had a client who needed a, wanted a Western 
uh, project manager to build their uh, 3 million square foot development in Bangalore, India. Wow. I spent uh, 10 months there. That was for Cisco, is that? That was for Cisco, yes. Hardware. Very cool. Um, and, you know, then I was also, I moved into the sort of the, what we called the uh, global workplace services, which were sort of managing large uh, client relationships. We would manage not only their project management, but their real estate transactions, their facilities management. So I did that for a number of firms, Morgan Stanley, Hertz. Um, So, you know, that was a broad experience for me, managing a team of 300 people um, underneath me. Um, And then I, you know, I migrated toward back towards the owner side, worked for RFR, um, Mm -hmm. for AB and Michael. Um, opened my own business for a little while. Okay. Um, What'd you do for your own I, business? I, uh, a small subcontracting business for concrete and drywall, non-union. Oh, cool. Um, uh, did that for a couple of years and then I joined LNL about five years ago. Right, right. So tell us a little bit about LNL. Um, LNL is owned by um, David Levinson and Rob Lapidus, mm-hmm. their uh, partners. They've been in business around 20 years, uh, 22 years. They, I think they formed the LNL in 2000. Okay. Um, a very, very um, nice place to work. Uh, very entrepreneurial. Um, they've had huge success yep. um, in New York City. David Levinson was a huge, uh, actually, CBRE broker before he formed l Interesting. Um, Rob Lapidus worked for Charlie Kushner um, before ah. he um, came to l and Okay. Um, you know, they're great guys. They, you know, uh, we're like a family over there. Um, Doesn't David own like some of the Yankees too? Part yeah, Dave and Rob. They own they own a small share of the Yankees. Yes, That's awesome. You know they, <laughs> they 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 I think they bought that the their share in either two thousand six. Because I've seen them, I have seen him with his ring. Yes, on, which is about as cool he likes as to wear gets. his ring. Yeah, yes, I would. <laughs> his two thousand his two thousand nine World Series ring. Yes. Oh, so great. they're they're you know they are we're autonomous from the perspective of this. You now. I came to LNL. I came when when I interviewed with Dave and Dave and Rob. I told them that, uh, you know, I'm one person. This project, how complex it is, it needs to be staffed right. We need to. Br- I need to bring a team here to make this project successful. Um, and they listened, and they we we did it. We yeah. we put it, we put the team together, in order for me to be successful. Because, like I said, I think before when we were talking, I'm only one person. I only have so many hours in the day. Yeah. Um, and without the team, this project wouldn't be a success. And they, they listen to that, which is, you know, not many owners will do that. Not many owners will think that they know how to do it all. They understand the business. And yes, they're successful. They're very um, successful in what they do. But they have to be able to understand the, the design and construction piece of it is unique. Yeah. Um, and they got to be willing to listen to the folks that they've brought in to do that, the experts that they're they're paying to allow us to be successful. And what uh, what other projects are they have they done? I, I mean, I know a few of them. So we did two hundred fifth. That was mm-hmm. back in the uh, or, or mid to the early two thousands. Um, we've done four twenty five Park. We just got a TCO there, which is an amazing, Sitting, amazing, yeah, project. huge, huge project. Gorgeous first building. In Park, new building on Park Avenue in over 50 years. Mm-hmm. Again, another retained slab project. <laughs> um, Citadel is our anchor tenant in there. Um, gorgeous building. I don't know if you've had a chance to go look at it these days, but it is absolutely uh, yeah, no, gorgeous. It's, it's amazing. The yeah. fins on top lit up at yep. night. It really is pretty. Yep. And designed by Lord Norman, Norman Foster. Yep. 
Um, and we've also done, we also did 390 Madison. Yep. Um, you know, major uh, financial institutions in there, Chase is in there, a bunch of law firms. So that was a, you know, another pr really pretty building. Really yeah, nicely I mean, you, done. You, L&L really goes above and beyond. I mean, it is not a typical developer, developer at all. I mean, you, besides the fact that you look for very unique sites and opportunities where no one can see an opportunity, you also execute from a design point of view that's, you know, beyond. I, I don't know of really... <coughs> many others that do that level of, of design that you guys have committed yes, to. Fair. That is one thing we are, uh, from the top down, hands-on. Mm -hmm. Dave Levinson's involved in all of our decisions, Rob as well. Um, we're, we're a very hands-on group. What are the plans going forward? Um, the plan, so we're in the middle, I'm also sort of involved uh, overseeing Terminal. Um, I've been involved in that uh, when we bought the GMP. Um, which is a far Western development site that we have. It's an existing building again. Uh, it's approximately, um, I believe it's 1.5 million square feet. Um, it's basically what we call a ground scraper because it's a full city block, yeah. wide and, and long. Um, we're adding uh, approximately uh, 13 floors on top of the, uh, as an overbuild um, and completely reconfiguring the building, the core, mm -hmm. uh, allowing, bringing light into the building that was not previously there because there's not a lot of windows and that building is also landmarked. Right. So we have to be very mindful of the facade and, and yeah. all the things we're doing there. Um, but that's an, another exciting project that's in construction for us right now. Um, we have a bunch of work going on down in Florida. Okay. We have a project in Wynwood. We have a project in West, West Palm Beach. We have a project up in Cape Coral. Okay. Um, so, you know, actually, David, our CEO, is actually down in Florida, living down there. Okay. Um, Good for him. And uh, he's kind of running that side of it for us. Okay. Um, but, you know, that's an exciting time for us down there. I, I think you know that everybody in their, and, and their mother is down there trying to build, which Absolutely. is great. So are we. Yes. We're trying to do it. Right. That. So it's, it's, it's a good experience down there. It's, it's you know, it's, it's, Florida's not an easy place to build either. Yeah, it's not. I yes. know, which is surprising. You would think it would be, but it, it, it's well, not. It's about the labor. You know, yep. it's difficult with the labor down there. Yep. Um, so kind of switching gears a, a little bit, um, just kind of back to some architecture kind of questions. So um, <coughs> where do you see kind of projects go wrong in your experience? And not, not on TSX and that kind of thing, but where do you see architects or in general projects kind of go wrong? Communication. Okay. Our, our, our life is about communication. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why we Got create, created a, a field office that has everybody together. Yep. I, I've been involved in projects where, you know, the communication is, isn't good to begin with. And getting together once a week at a job meeting doesn't work. Um, you know, that's, that's the biggest failure i think in in certain projects is that there's a lack of communication a lack of cohesiveness um and that comes you know that comes from leadership um unless you have a strong leader um that's not going to happen yeah um i don't i don't know what what what, what do you think you I'll, I'll turn it around i'll ask you a question for a moment <laughs> yeah um what do you you know you deal with a lot of owners yeah where do you feel uh, that owners are the most difficult to deal with and how do we succeed and fail it depends on it depends on the owner, obviously, right? But it's really when the owner doesn't appreciate what the architect is doing, 
um, that's where it goes awry. When you kind of have the, the owner that says, well, hey, um, uh, I can get any architect to do this, or I know better than the architect. The architect's just wasting my money, wasting my time. Um, you know, why, why are we going through all of this? Why do I need any of that? Right. That doesn't make for a good client for us. And, and honestly, there are architects that can work well with that. That doesn't work for, for us personally here. You know, we need someone that, as you said earlier, needs to be a partner that there's a, there are business drivers as to why we're doing the project. There are design goals. There are, you know, whatever those goals are that we've stated them in the beginning and we're all working towards those goals. When we're immediately working in opposite directions for no reason, then it, it becomes a very difficult project to manage. Yeah, you, you have to be able to be mindful of yep. why I have you there, right? We have exactly. you there for a purpose. I'm not just paying a fee so you can stamp a set of drawings exactly. and go to the DOB exactly. and give me a sign-off. Yep. There has to be a critique of and a vision, and that vision needs to be communicated to you. Yep. Once we communicate that vision to you, you need to go and implement it. And where we go wrong, and I've talked about this a lot on this podcast, many other podcasts, is on the cost side. You know, we as designers will design things that we really don't have a, 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 a basis of reality of how much something costs. And we will steer a client down a road that we should theoretically know better, but we don't. And then that sets up yet disappointment, right? It's, oh, by the way, you love this thing. We spent all these months designing it. Sorry way, about can't that. Afford Turns it. out you can't afford it, right? Because it's so over the top. And if we are working, you know, that's why I do like working with a contractor as part of the job initially, or even in a design build situation where there's a checks and balances kind of thing. Like, hey, by the way, that ceiling you designed, it's really expensive. Is that important to the project? Yes, it is. Great. Then we'll keep that. Maybe something else has to come out. If we know that as designers, we can actually do, we can do great design with paint if we have to. <laughs> we just need to know that ahead of time. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that from the from my perspective. Fortunately, I have a large amount of experience in cost, so <laughs> the, the, I don't I don't I I can see that vision, but I can cut it off at the before it starts. But um, yeah, there there are many projects that you know if, if the architect is left to their own, yeah, and you guys want to design something that is obviously very appealing to everybody and pretty to look at, mm -hmm. if cost is not sort of put into the mix, it can go badly. Yeah, it's a bad word for whatever reason. As designers, as architects, the, you know, that word gets in the way. We don't want to talk about it. You know, money in general in, in the architecture world is uh, is not spoken about a lot. Sure. Um, you're just never taught uh, about that. You know, so everything is sort of pie in the sky from the education on. And that's great. And there's a place for that that kind of frees your mind and, and gets you to, to design out of the box. But in the real world, you've got to somehow temper all of that. So... So kind of wrapping up here, um, what do you want your legacy to be? If you had to well, fast forward. Well, I'm going to be around for a bit longer <laughs> since I have three young children. So I don't know about legacy yet, but um, what do I want my legacy to be? I, I mean, I want my legacy to be that the, the people who I've worked with We'll, we'll sit there and when I'm not around, of course, or, or not, not in the room, we'll say that, 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 that person, Robert is, is really, he cares. Mm -hmm. He actually cares about what he does. He cares about me. He cares about the team and he wants everybody around him to be successful because again, I think I've said it before, 
without the team being the team is not successful if i'm not successful i have to make them successful for me to be successful yeah absolutely that's great and then what for you what's after tsx do you know what sort of your next project that you're going to be working on and uh, is everything going to be a letdown from here <laughs> i mean i like i said at the beginning of this conversation i don't think i'll ever do another uh, project like TSX from a complexity perspective. No, I don't think it'll be a letdown. It'll just be different. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll just be a different set of circumstances, headaches, problems to solve and, you know, people to work with. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. Well, Robert, thank you so much for being my guest here on the Anti-Architect podcast, for sharing, um, you know, your path and for sticking with us as your architect. Uh, on TSX. And, you know, it's amazing to see it come to life. And I, we're going to get the Mancini band to perform on that stage before, you know, like you too, for Sounds sure. Good. Somehow we're going to sneak we'll, them in there. We'll, and, uh, we'll do a little warm up and do that. There. And so for more information on TSX, you can go to their website, which is they have a specific website for that, which is www.tsxbroadway.com. Um, is there a documentary that's being done for the for the job? We have a bunch of footage that we are going to pull something together. Yes. Okay. What that what that will look like and when it will be done, I don't know yet. Okay. But yes, we've got we've done a ton of filming. We are doing a ton of filming. Yeah. Uh, and I have a bunch of time lapse stuff as well. Yeah, the time so, lapse so, I check that out yeah. all the time too. So, so. <laughs> th there's plenty of uh, information and data that we're going to utilize. I'm not sure what it's going to look like yet. Okay. But yes, we will be doing something. Awesome. For sure. And for information on L and L Holding Company, their website is www ll-holding.com. So thank you again. I really appreciate well, you taking the time. Christian, to do this. pleasure as always. Thank you very much and uh, have a great day. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs>